0: Hi, my name is Gary Myers, And I'm Joe Fondo. And we're the hosts of the Answering the Call podcast. And this is the podcast where we talk to people who are answering God's call. Today, our guest is Byron Couture. He talks about how after returning from a mission trip, you can inspire others who did not go. So, here's Byron. About how many people are in your church
1: right now, like what's a normal Sunday look like? There's about 30, and if you add up our kids uh Between me and our minister of music, uh, we have ten kids, and so there's a boost there of uh, of some young life so that might bring us up to about forty uh, but of the of the core group that was there when I started there's about twenty to twenty five uh, elderly congregants we joke that our youth group is in their 60s <laughs> and so uh, that that's the reality that's where we are and that's what God called us to and um, there's a sweet spirit there we've seen uh, people's hearts and minds just warm to the gospel and and we've been calling uh, them to come back to uh, the biblical truths and the essentials of discipleship and evangelism we've just asked the Lord to really stir our hearts warm our hearts again to the gospel And then let's pursue a generation that we can pass the baton to, which I think was hard for them initially because you're asking them to think about passing the baton to people who aren't even there yet. Mm. And so that's a challenge just to the imagination. That's hard for anybody. Look, change isn't just hard for older people. Change is hard for all people. It's just hard for all of us. And so there are some unique limitations to that. We have to order sort of extra large print. For some of our curriculum and like you mentioned mobility is a real issue uh, that's a challenge of the imagination but it's something that we've embraced because we think it's worth it and we think the faithfulness of these people through the years that God's not finished with them and he wants to honor their faithfulness and, and see mm-hmm. something in these days.
0: You, you mentioned something earlier um, you're you're working to get back to sort of a, a notion of discipleship and so forth Um, If the average age is old at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. there's not, like, anybody really your age, perhaps other than staff, Mm -hmm. um, clearly that's something that is either slipped away or something's happened. Mm. Have you had challenges kind of getting buy-in, getting people like this to be interested in this, or is this something that they started interested in?
1: Yeah, I think that's a challenge for every pastor when it comes to discipleship is uh, there's just a human uh, ability to, to reduce things or to lose sight of things, spiritual things that really matter. So that's not just unique to our congregation. But I will say this isn't their issue. This is really a pastoral issue for me. Some of that gets lost in translation. Mm-hmm. So I have to be careful when I'm challenging them to return to what's biblical. Uh, some of what they did in the past was biblical. It just looked and sounded very different. Mm. And so I've got to make sure that I'm not fussing over the translation uh, of curriculum and structures and systems so much as I'm really calling them in their heart to get back to the Mm. basics. And I don't want them to be repenting over things that were actually very good things Mm. in the first place. Uh, There may be a need need for us to update the language, but let's be clear, that's what it is. And so it's not all that, that they've missed out. Mm. Or that they've lost heart. Mm. Some of it is just the world has changed, and we speak of it differently. We think of it conceptually differently, but uh, we've got to invite them. That's part of discipleship. That's just part of being a good pastor, a good teacher, is just training them in new language, is introducing, kind of bridging the gap to being a little bit of a translator. Mm.
0: You mentioned something earlier when we were talking um, how you recently got back from this trip to Italy. Mm-hmm. You brought one of your members with you, mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good bonding time, yeah. um, especially you know as you're as you're forging these relationships. But something you said was very interesting. You said you prayed for dreams and visions. You were going to Italy to reach um, uh, a Muslim group mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. who are immigrants. That's right, right. Um, so why did you why did you pray like this? I mean, what was the genesis of this
1: so there's about five million muslim immigrants that live in italy now who have moved there uh, or traveled there many of them at great risk have left behind everything they've known and risked their their safety and even the safety of their families uh, to move there and so we wanted to go and just focus on what seems like an open door and one of the stories that we keep hearing the testimonies that keep coming back from the muslim world is that god is working through dreams and visions and so we just ask the Lord to keep moving in the way that he's moved we're just speculating why would God do that Uh, it it just seems just having spent time with Muslims or people that are steeped in a different worldview a different tradition they just see the world differently what's going to convince them that everything that they've ever known everything that they've ever believed is wrong or or, Mm. or just different Or upside down or backwards so what we're telling them is so challenging uh it's so difficult it would be for us too if someone came to us and just told us what we believed is just we've got it backwards Mm. uh we would need some sign something to show us that lord is this really from you Mm. god is this really from you so i think that's one of the reasons in god's goodness and his grace and his kindness that he's given them signs to say this is legitimate this is trustworthy uh Otherwise, you're trying to figure that out on your own. That's almost impossible to just uh, work through and process for an ordinary person Mm -hmm. to give up everything they've ever known.
0: Have you ever experienced a sign or vision yourself from God?
1: No, not not in that way. I mean, perhaps he sent them and I just missed them. (laughs) I try not to. I pray that he'll give me the eyes to see where he's moving and to hear his voice. But not in the sense where I was uh, sleeping at night, and there was something that just overwhelmingly, explicitly came to me, where uh, I felt like it was a, a divine sign.
0: But at the same time, you you prayed in this way um, that God would use this method on this trip. That's right. Did you feel um, what do they call that? The imposter syndrome when you're you know you're kind of <laughs> stepping out on a limb there. Yeah. Did this test your faith? Did you feel that maybe like, what if God
1: doesn't do this? No, I felt more excited, more uh, anticipation. Now, what if God does do this? Mm. And so I felt like in that sense, we had nothing to lose. And and mm. uh, we just asked the Lord to do what what he's already been doing. And it took some faith to believe that, that he's capable of that and that this is the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then he's doing amazing, miraculous things. I think if you hear enough of these stories, though, it encourages your faith, and you just long to see it. You just mm. want to see God move in that way mm. and uh, and to be useful. And so we just prayed, Lord, uh, would you do that? And then you're just kind of curious, and uh, you just lean in. Mm. And I saw that on our trip. Uh, one of our members who, who you mentioned, uh, Brother Jack, uh, who's now the chairman of our deacons, and uh, he was the only member of our church really who's physically able to go on a mission trip. And so I wanted it for him and I wanted it for our people uh, to be able to go on mission. We really brought them along kind of vicariously. We had done some training before we left. I shared that training with our people, brought them through some of the same training we did so they could experience it. We prayed for uh, the people we were going on mission to reach some of the same prayers that we had prayed as a group and uh and then throughout our trip we skyped back in talked to our people through video and and through calls and then of course we reported when we returned home what we had seen and what we'd heard we did the best we could to bring our people along Mm -hmm. and so at the heart of these prayers the spirit of what we're hoping for is god would you do something in these people would you make us useful help us to reach them and at the same time would you bless us spiritually at home by bearing witness to what you're doing around the world, can we be faithful and can it be reinvigorating to us spiritually mm. to take part in this? And it was.
0: That that's really cool because in Uptown New Orleans, for instance, there's not really a ton of churches, not a ton of you know evangelical um, churches. That's right. And so one of the one of the goals that you share with me, obviously, is that you're trying to reach your your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a very which is a very difficult thing mm-hmm. um, did you find that that coming back from this you or Jack kind of or er, er, the rest of your church has there been any difference have, have you what's that been like since you got back?
1: Yeah I think so. I think uh, it's incremental you know we've asked God to just uh, step by step do a work in us but I've seen what used to be a more controlling spirit, a kind of spirit of fear where people were reluctant to let go and try new things. I've seen uh, an open-handedness. Mm-hmm. I've seen a softening of In people's your hearts. In own church. In our own church. And then we've just hammered over and over again th- this I, th- this notion, this idea that we're living on mission. So let's think like missionaries about our own mm-hmm. home. And so obviously going on a mission trip then gives you these ready illustrations of, well, here's what it looked like there. Mm. What would that look like here? Mm. And so we've just repeatedly gone over that again and again. Not what is church like for us, just our experience. Do you like it? What kind of music do you prefer? What kind of... You know what time should we meet and have our service should Sunday school come first and the church service come second all of those logistical questions that come with with leadership and if you're a pastor and you pastor some traditional Baptist church you'll know uh, there's some humor in that because what seems like logistical turns into so much more than that when you're touching people's uh, beloved traditions but it's helped it's just been a real handle for us to think like a missionary And put all of those issues on the table uh, thinking through the lens of what's going to help us connect with our neighbors what's going to help us love our neighbors and share the gospel with Mm -hmm. our neighbors in meaningful ways so certainly going on a mission trip uh, helps bring that into focus and just make that real
0: you mentioned um, a minute ago bringing what happened there back here Um, what happened there you prayed Um, for these dreams and visions. You prayed that God would act in this way or or show up in this way, that you could be a part of this kind of work. Um, What happened in
1: Italy? Well, I'll share a few stories of of how God did show up in big ways. But first, I just want to say that uh, one of the things that happened is a group of people, and there was actually uh, three groups that converged. We worked with a, a, a group that had made a film about the life of Christ in Arabic Uh, using Arabic actors and so we were distributing this film alongside that group and then there was an evangelical group from Italy who were home-based there they're Italians so they kind of served as our guides and we worked alongside those groups and each one of us was really outside of our comfort zone at a different time and so each group kind of did things a little bit differently and so we would go and we would kind of lean towards one group's uh, methodology for a few days and that would really stretch us in one direction and then we tried something different that really stretched us in a different direction and and so what I saw is people being very humble doing things that in our context we might feel like man this is really cheesy or this is embarrassing or that's is this what I came here for but I saw a willingness to be humble and just to offer up all the things to the Lord that we have Mm. including and especially our inadequacies Mm. so with regards to the language there's just things that we don't know and uh, things that we struggle to communicate, and yet offering that up to the Lord, God, would you use us and just take our little loaves and fishes and multiply uh, in faith what we're offering. And, and so just seeing our people lay down their lives, uh, travel halfway around the world, uh, spend a lot of money and a lot of time to give of themselves and just be stretched, be humble and say, God, would you use us, would you do something? Mm-hmm. So we distributed hundreds of these films. The last day we were there, we distributed over a hundred of those films in a mosque with the blessing of an Imam. Wow. And uh, that's unheard of. I mean, we did an exchange in Rome in a mosque there where we went in and just offered a gift. We shared the film with the Imam and he shared with us, gave us some copies of the Quran uh, or a translation with commentary. And uh, just tried to build bridges and have meaningful conversations and, and spread the work of the film. And then whenever we could, we would have as explicit a conversation as was possible through language mm. and uh, just through relationship, sharing the gospel as much as we could. And sometimes it was just a look of the eye, just a, mm. a, a smile of friendliness and, some, and eye contact. That would be a signal just a welcoming sign to have a conversation so that's the first thing I saw just people being willing to serve Mm -hmm. and uh, lay down their pride and their ego and what's Mm -hmm. familiar and comfortable to them and stretch themselves Uh, Jack and I he's gonna kill me for saying this but uh, our sleeping arrangements uh, you know we weren't living in luxury that it was nice and it was comfortable but we shared a bed it was smaller than a queen-size bed and not so, many... you, so
0: you and your deacon chairman have, have bonded right. no, in, in many Not ways. many
1: pastors have slept in the same bed with the chairman of their deacons, but I recommend it. If you're looking <laughs> f- to bond and you're looking to build a uh, relationship, it was really meaningful. Man, we laughed a lot. We even cried some and just shared some really meaningful moments there, the two of us. But that's for the same for all of us on the trip. I think everybody gave a little bit, stretched a little bit, and then God used that. So let me just share with you a couple ways. Uh, where he showed up just in powerful ways. Of course, you never know what happens with the films. We prayed over those. You never know what happens after you let all that go. But we got to see some things uh, with our own eyes uh, right there in Italy. And uh, uh, there was a a lady that some of our ladies had connected with. I think it was in a grocery store. And she wanted to have follow-up conversations with them. So she reached back out intentionally to connect with them Uh, A Muslim lady and they got a chance to go follow up with her spoke with her for several hours and she was very curious Uh, they were able to share with her you know explicitly who they were what the gospel is and uh, they asked her have you had any dreams and visions and she didn't remember until they asked her when they prompted she said well actually I have and she began to describe two ladies coming to her in her dream To share with her uh, the truth uh, about Jesus, about the angel, the gospel, Mm -hmm. and Jesus, uh, her words in Arabic. And our ladies were able to say, "That's us. That's us. (laughs) We are those. We are those two ladies." And um, say that again. How
0: did they know they were them? I mean,
1: I think just in faith. I think I. I don't think it was. uh, I don't think that it. Was difficult math,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know. I think it was uh, pretty simple math that to say they're listening to that description mm. and just believe God, you sent us here to do this. We bade this in prayer. Uh, you're working, we've asked you to work. Mm. And I think, as Christians, I just challenge anybody who really prays in faith for God to do things. You always have the option to chalk it up to coincidence, mm. but if you've been praying over something and you believe God is capable and you've asked him to move in a certain way and then things begin to move mm-hmm. uh, the tendency to just chalk that up to well maybe that's him maybe that's not i think it's remarkable how often we pray in faith and then we respond in fear or in doubt mm. and uh, let's respond with the same faith we had when we prayed for him to move in the first place so mm. that's pretty simple but i think I think what she was describing just fit them to a tee and mm-hmm. just described their conversation. And it made so much sense uh, that God was moving. Uh, otherwise, them bumping into her in a grocery store and having this conversation and then meeting up again. There was even some logistical issues with cell phones and mm-hmm. how they ended up getting back together with her. Um, it took a little time. It was a little bit of a struggle, but the way that it all happened just felt so divinely orchestrated. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt like, mm-hmm. man, it would really be naive to just chalk this up to coincidence, happenstance. Yeah. So that was one story. And then probably the most powerful story, a memorable story um, that we saw. Uh, one of our Italian guides went with... Uh, one of the team members from the film uh, The Savior film which if you have Amazon Prime you can check it out The Savior uh, is on there and uh, those two team members went with one of our guys from Arkansas and those three guys uh, went to a place that the Italian guide had remembered they had done some street evangelism that's kind of their MO as the Italian group they do a lot of street preaching a lot of uh, what we would call sort of revivalistic crusade, mm-hmm. tent crusade type things. That's been their history, and very influential. Like in the evangelical life of Italy, many, many pastors have come from this Italian uh, evangelical organization. Have been converted. I mean, they they were born again at these mm-hmm. meetings, and so a very influential group. He remembered uh, we were in Naples. He remembered an ab- abandoned building in naples where they had done some evangelism before and he figured there might be some immigrant homeless immigrants that would be squatting in this abandoned building and so i think that probably the lord brought that to his mind i don't think that was just his cleverness but i think god really placed that memory put that picture of that place in his mind he said let's go there i bet you we might find a sort of homeless muslim immigrant folks living in or around this building and so They got there, it was really sketchy, kind of dangerous looking place, there's no electricity and so some of our ladies who were with them stayed in the car and the three men went inside and they crawled through literally a hole in the wall, I mean uh, it was probably a three or four foot kind of hole where the the brick and the concrete had, had been crumbled or removed They crawled through there, just into darkness, and you can imagine in the middle of the day how bright it was outside and then going in there. So it just takes a while for your eyes to adjust, and it it felt pretty scary uh, to them. And they just walked through the darkness, literally calling out in Arabic to anybody uh, who would hear. And they continued to walk, and nobody responded initially until finally there was a voice from the darkness that called back. And uh, they walked towards him, and he was very afraid. He thought maybe this was the police or someone was out to get him or find him. And so he was very afraid uh, until he began to speak to the men. And uh, he recognized there was three of them, and he could see them coming, kind of their silhouettes coming through this hole from the light. And he remembered having a dream of three men walking from the light, to share with him a message from God uh, about the truth. Mm. And so he was very open. So mm. they shared with him the gospel in his own language. And there he prayed to receive Christ and to become one of uh, our brothers. Wow. Now, there was an extensive discipleship that took place. And we're going to have to trust that the same Lord who brought us there to share with him the gospel mm. is going to bring him where he needs to go next. And so... Hopefully, he'll be able to connect with our Italian partners there, churches on the ground there to disciple him. But I think if that doesn't tell you about the heart of God, Mm. to send uh, three men from halfway around the world, really different parts of the world, Mm. uh, one who lives in Bulgaria, one who lives in Italy, one who's from Arkansas and who's studying at our seminary, but to seek and save that which is lost for one soul, to send three men halfway around the world to crawl through a hole in the wall. That tells you so much about God's heart. And, uh, and so absolutely, just bring in that full circle. Not only is that full of power, not only did God answer our prayers to work through dreams and visions and to make us useful, but then to come back to our people and say, man, He is the same God yesterday, today. He's reaching to seek and save those who are lost. And is that the heartbeat of our church locally? to seek and save those who are lost, those who are far from God. What can we do? What holes do we need to crawl through? What darkness do we need to penetrate? Uh, so what a wonderful testimony to be able to come back and just say, man, let me show you, Let me share with you what we've seen and what we've heard God do.
0: You know, it's often said that um, the people who are most impacted on short-term mission trips are the short-term missionaries. Hmm. It's... Um, it's often something that seems to change us more than, um, right. or at least as much as the world that we go visit, gets changed. Um, what have you found different since you've been back? Um, you and Jack, y- you and your, your marriage, your church, I mean, what, what impact has going halfway around the world, seeing this answered prayer had in your
1: own life, what's yeah. different? That's a shot in the arm. I think it really is a boost. Uh, And I think there's immediate kind of momentum and energy, a passion that comes from that, that comes from clarity. Mm -hmm. Just being on mission, when you wake up in a place uh, on a foreign mission trip every day, uh, you wake up and you have the option to kind of uh, pack it in, Mm -hmm. just kind of go through the motions and uh, do what you can to get by. But when you're explicitly sharing the gospel, and we, we were literally roaming the streets of Naples, mm. just looking to make eye contact, to build relationships, to share the film, and to share the gospel. And so you could, if you wanted to, you could just walk around and be a tourist. Mm. And in some cases, it wasn't, that's, that's actually a pretty good cover. I mean, that's who we were. We're foreigners, we're Americans, and so we needed to, to shop a little bit and, and buy some fruit and walk through the marketplace and not look too weird mm-hmm. otherwise we look like some kind of uh uh police or something you know on a militant <laughs> mission um and we got corrected one time by one of our guides like hey guys calm down and slow down and smell the roses a little bit the people can tell you're um you're being too aggressive uh but i would say that there was something spiritually every day that you had to decide to engage and that god could use you And God could use what could come out of your mouth, even given all your limitations linguistically and otherwise you had to choose to believe that and then go out in faith to exercise that every day. Otherwise you could pretend you could kind of posture and pretend that you're on a mission trip and you're doing this with really no hope that God was going to use you. And you just walk around and go shopping and do things that, that didn't really matter. Uh, but that exercise of faith, that spiritual exercise of getting up and believing, God, I choose to believe today you can use me. And I'm going to go walk, and I'm going to engage, and I'm going to speak, and I'm going to believe that you can take uh, all of my gifts and my talents and all of my limitations and weaknesses and that you can make it useful. Man, that, you do that for a couple weeks, I mean, that you come back and you just feel a renewed sense of clarity and purpose, and focus. So how do you translate
0: this to the people who didn't come with you? Yeah. The people back home. What do you say to them? What do you? How do you prepare them to come back? Because you're on fire. You're ready <laughs> to go, like, yeah. take the city by yeah. storm. What do you do for those people that aren't like that? I
1: think translate is the right word. How do you translate? Because it's not going to be a direct, you know, there's not a substitute for that exact experience. So we did try to take them along vicariously a little bit to help bridge the gap. And, uh, and then part of that's just the work of the Holy Spirit. God, helped me to perceive uh, creatively how can we stir their hearts. Some of that's going back into their own memory. Remember what God has done. Share with me some of the stories of where you've seen God move. And so just inviting them to remember what they've seen, what they've participated in in their life and then, of course, praying and begin to do it right there. So, the probably the best thing for our people is to see that happen here. So, when we have somebody new come into our church and somebody that we've been praying for and they get to see answered prayer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have somebody baptized in our church this summer. And man, that baptismal hasn't been wet in a long time. And so, for them to see an answer to prayer, we've been praying, God, would you send us uh, somebody? Mm-hmm. Uh, would you save their soul and send them here? Would we be able to baptize? Could we bear witness to what you're doing and can we be a part of it? Would you use this little place to see that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the way you bring back that. It's, it's the same God who's there, who's here. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, we don't bring him back. He's already here. Uh, we're just trying to open our people's eyes to see where he's moving And then let's do some of the same things that we're doing there here, and let's see if God doesn't answer those prayers. And we've seen that. He's beginning to do that. We've got some young families that come now, and we pray specifically for the right kind of young families to come who aren't going to be uh, discouraged or disillusioned uh, by some of the dust, if you will, the metaphorical dust of remodeling a church spiritually and just people that, that can see through it, see the purpose of that, who want to be uh, handed the baton? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, how do you stay? How do you stay motivated or encouraged in in the middle of all this? Because a lot of times these are not fast processes. No, you, know, not. Y- you know, you know, you are you're you've got a group of people that um, tradition is a very strong mm-hmm. uh, element for them. You're coming in fresh. Mm -hmm. You've been here for a year or two, Mm about that long. About a year. About a year. Um, How do you stay encouraged in the meantime? Like, what do you do personally?
1: Well, I think, you know, if I could rewind to your last question, uh, when you ask what do you do when you come back on fire, one of the things anybody who's been on a mission trip will tell you is that uh, life goes on. Mm -hmm. And so the fire that you thought was never going to go away, man, you have to stoke the fire. Mm. If you don't stoke the fire, it'll go out. And, uh, and the enemy is not going to sit idly by as you stoke the fire. He's doing things to rain mm-hmm. on the fire as well. How do you personally and, and, stoke the fire? What, do you, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, man, I don't think you can ever underestimate uh, just the daily habit of bringing your heart before the Lord, of being silent before the Lord, of mm. hearing His voice of uh, digging into his word and asking him to speak through his word personally to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get away from that, and I do hear, hear me say that pretty clearly, I'm not a perfect, uh, I don't have perfect attendance when it comes to quiet times. <laughs> but there's an immediate effect when mm-hmm. you step out of uh, spending time in prayer, spending time in the word. Uh, it just doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to dry up or for the fire to start to dwindle. So to stoke that again, I think is, uh, spending time with him Mm -hmm. and then living on mission, following him is not just spending time in silence. That's, Mm -hmm. that's huge. That's a starting point of being before doing, but it certainly gets to doing pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And that's the value of that mission trip is, man, you are exercising faith and it's not that different than working out. It's just like a muscle you haven't worked out very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, it doesn't take long to atrophy and at 38 years old I can tell you now there's parts of me of my body physically where I can see if I haven't worked out uh, it doesn't take long to tell Mm -hmm. and that's a muscle you have to exercise in order to grow but when you do it man it makes I mean it just builds strength it builds faith and when you see God move in those significant ways answer prayers that stays in your memory like it just mm-hmm. it, it it's in your mind that it grows in you a sense of expectation. Man, let's pray again. God's going to show up again.
0: You talked about um, a mission trip in a lot of ways being uh, a shot in the arm, you said, um, for this whole process. It mm-hmm. really invigorates. What is a pastor who can't afford to do that or can't afford to bring anybody with them to experience something like this? Yeah. What kind of what can they do? I mean, how do they get that reinvigoration?
1: Sure. I think the the easy answer to that is, well, you can live on mission right where you are and you can take risks and you can engage and you can trust God can use you mm-hmm. right where you are. And that doesn't cost anything but time and faith. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can do that. I think I want to say, though, for the guy who thinks he can't afford things, uh, One of the things that we preach at our church, kind of a mantra, is God's not short on cash. And so just pray, man, seek him, and uh, you'd be surprised how much is available through his people, through the church, uh, through godly people, some of who can't go themselves, Mm -hmm. but who want to be a part of sending. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the great things about a church where you may have physical limitations, Spiritually, there's still something in their hearts that wants to give and wants to go, and if you can tap into that, I think that's as life-giving. Sometimes you get to be not only the hands and feet of Christ per se, but the hands and feet of some of the people who would send you and support you because they can't go themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Byron. This has been—it's uh, great to hear these stories, and it's always encouraging, and
1: uh, it's good advice. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. Hey, it's Gary and Joe here again. Would you do us a favor? If you like this podcast,
0: go to iTunes and leave us a review. This would mean the world to us. Thanks.